welcome to Overinvested, a podcast about pop culture obsessions. I'm Gavia, and this is my co-host Morgan. Hello. This week we're going to be talking about Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, an awesome movie. <laughs> um, a 90s classic that's kind of a teen movie, but also kind of not. And um, this week is its 20th anniversary, so we thought we'd kind of go back. I have now seen it three times. Um, Morgan watched it for the first time this week and enjoyed it. So we're here to launch straight into this masterpiece starring uh, Lisa Kudrow, Mira Sorvino and Alan Cumming. Yes, among a really starry cast of people that you look at and say, oh, I've seen them in many things now. Yes. <laughs> One of those fun 90s movies experiences. If you have not watched this film, the basic plot is that it follows two women, Romy and Michelle, who have been best friends basically for their whole lives, who live in Los Angeles doing nothing very impressive, but having a great time. And they realize that it's their 10th high school reunion. They're from Tucson. And they decide they want to go back to show off how great their lives are. When they realize that, in fact, they have not done much with themselves. One of them works as a cashier. One of them has no job. Neither of them has a boyfriend. They basically decide to invent new identities for themselves as businesswomen. Doing what? They don't yeah. decide. They're, they're, they're very <laughs> dumb. So like, they don't really know what business women do. They just, the only thing they really like to do is make clothes themselves. They make like business women costumes. Um, yes. And it's just one of those classic two idiots movies, which are almost always men, which is why this movie is so great. Cause it's like two bimbos, but the film really respects them and loves them. And I'm like, yes, this is so great. <laughs> yes. So around half the movie is spent structured around flashbacks to when they were in high school and then preparing to go back to this reunion. And then the other half is spent at the reunion itself. So you get to see characters from their high school when they were teenagers and then them as adults and how they sort of interact with them in both contexts. And needless to say, no one really changes much over the course of the movie. Everyone is sort of remains horrible or, you know, not... But Romy and Michelle throw and change-ish, which is the whole point of the film. <laughs> and there's a 15-minute dream sequence, which is more than you can say for most hour-and-a-half-long films. Yes! Because <laughs> when they initially get to the reunion, they've had like a little friend breakup on the road. So they go in separately, and they've thought of this idea where they're going to tell everyone that they invented post-it notes. And they both do this, and it turns into this amazing fantasy that ends up with one of them hooking up with her teenage crush, and the other one hooking up with the guy she, who had a crush on her, who was like this nerd played by Alan Cumming, who's now like this gorgeous multi-millionaire businessman who's had extensive plastic surgery to make himself look hot. I read an interview with him where he was talking about he got to pick kind of different movie stars' body parts, so he's got Brad Pitt's chin and, you know, someone else's nose, and they kind of graft it onto him to make him look handsome, and he looks very odd. But, like, then after that 15-minute sequence, it's like, oh, this is actually a dream. So when they really go to the reunion and tell people they invented post-it notes, everyone is just like, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> and the kind of... The, the finale of the film is they realise they ought to just be themselves, which is wearing, like, ridiculous, brightly coloured, sexy outfits that they made for themselves. And then there's a five-minute dance sequence to Time After Time with Alan Cumming, proving that this film is really an artistic marvel. And then they get a happy ending of uh, opening a boutique store together, funded by Alan Cumming. It's a truly heartwarming movie about two dummies who quite like each other and are misunderstood by their peers. Yes, well, what's particularly charming and satisfying about it is that it's sort of 
set up with the tone of a romantic comedy, but the romantic comedy structure is set up around the two women as opposed to the men. So they introduce sort of hypothetical love interests for them. The guy that Romy had a crush on in high school, who's clearly an asshole. I mean, there's never any expectation that he's going to be anything other than an asshole, but there's that sort of figure. And then the Alan Cumming character who they have to sort of half-assedly be like, well, yeah, I guess you could make out with him. But like, he's clearly just there to be a man. Um, which is fine. I mean, Alan Cummings' presence is always welcome in all media. Yeah, I mean, um, I will watch very nearly anything with Alan Cumming in it. Alan Cumming is the reason why I watched The Good Wife, which is like a feminist political drama. And I was like, well, why, why are you watching that? <laughs> <laughs> He's excellent on the show. He is. I watched, I watched the show and it turned out Alan Cumming was not actually my favourite part about it because it's a very good show. <laughs> yes, but a good gateway drug. <laughs> but the real compelling thing about the movie is not anything to do with you know romance in quotes they don't they really don't even try with that or pretend like that's what's going on it's the friendship between the two women so when they have a falling out that's the emotionally sort of that's the emotional crisis moment in the movie where you as a viewer are thinking like oh no it's not you know the couple that's dating break up or you know the couple at the beginning has a meet cute and they first don't like each other and then they get together or whatever it's really about the two of them um i just watched a old 30s movie actually called stage door with uh katherine hepburn and ginger rogers that does start out with like them being rivals but ultimately they become friends and it's the same basically the same thing where mm-hmm. it was supposed to be a rom-com at the beginning like they actually didn't have a script and so just made it up as they were going along and eventually they were like i guess neither of you should get together with the man because (laughs) that's such a great outcome i love it (laughs) and i was like excellent because they're like they're the couple with this it's sort of like they don't they're basically just two sort of normal really frivolous girls who just like to go clubbing and wear clothes and like hang out together and look at boys and then they're really hyped to go to this school reunion and they don't realize that they're losers until they fill in the form asking about all their details. <laughs> so they're sitting there like in a laundromat being like, do we have jobs? Not really. Have we got boyfriends? Where do we live with anyone? I guess we live together. And then they realize that like, according to like society or whatever, they're losers. And then sort of the finale part is where I keep trying to call her Phoebe, but uh, Lisa Kudrow's <laughs> character, Michelle, who's sort of meant to be the Dahmer one, kind of says, I didn't realize that we were uncool and losers until you pointed it out and actually we should just be ourselves, which is like the ultimate message of every movie. But like, it's just, <laughs> it's just very beautiful in this one because they're flawed and silly. <laughs> yes. Well, even in the, um, the flashbacks to high school, it's a little bit surprising to find out that they weren't like the cool kids because they're like cute and blonde and dressed yeah. in a very, brightly colored way as adults and they're trying to figure out where on like the social ladder they fell right and they say well we weren't like the i don't remember what like a level or that's not the exact term but they have some stratification um and they're like well we what we weren't like the you know b you know level or whatever and 
you eventually realize that they were just these like two weirdos who didn't have just like obsessed with each other and they both they both went to prom like dressed as madonna completely like wrapped up in each other and it's just very and also like the stuff they have in common they just intentionally the script intentionally just draws focus towards the fact that the stuff they have in common is like incredibly stupid so there's a scene where one of them is like i really hate throwing up in public and then lisa kudrow is like oh my god me too <laughs> it's like it just got this really unique thing in common <laughs> and they all wear matching outfits and like go to the gym together it's just all very it's all very adorable yes the fashion in this is truly it's truly amazing wow the their 90s. final outfits are like star trek mini dresses but in sort of plastic blue and pink material yeah it's just i watched legally blonde recently and that too the clothes have dated so much but it was from a few years later and even those few years really make a huge amount of difference because this i was like i am truly being just taken back in time i mean romeo and michelle is sort of an intentionally surreal because they're meant to look silly but buffy is amazing like the first season of buffy (laughs) that is that's my high point for kind of 90s fashion because they were trying so hard to be like cool and on trend because it's teens and that's always the shit that goes bad really fast (laughs) yes very much very much so what year did dick come out i don't even know what that is Oh my god, I'm gonna look it up right now. This is a digression, <laughs> but it's a related digression, and we're gonna have to do this film at some point. It's another, like, best friend idiot comedy, and it is about, okay, 1999. So this is about the same time, and it starred Michelle Williams and Kirsten Dunst. Oh my as god. Two idiot teenagers who are obsessed with Richard Nixon and wind up becoming Deep Throat. <laughs> I mean, that's an incredible premise. It's a masterpiece. This is before <laughs> Deep Throat was I was known. So his yeah. identity came out, what, like 10 years ago? Something like that? This is 1999. It was still a mystery. And so this whole thing is constructed in meticulous detail around Watergate. And so, like, there's an explanation for, like, the 18 and a half minute gap on one of the Watergate tapes. Holy shit. It is. I watched it with my mother, who's an American history teacher, like, <laughs> teaches Watergate because someone had told her, how can you not have seen this film? And we were dying. Oh, my God. We will have to do an episode on that at some point. But it's the same kind of... Um, Kristen Dunst has made so many good choices for teen movies. It is. She has made so many good choices, period. She has. Just, I mean, I, I rewatched Drop Dead Gorgeous recently, and it's so great. I have not seen that one. It's a classic. Well, I so I looked up this, this film, and... Um, that one was co-written by a woman. Romeo and Michelle was written by it was written by Robin Schiff. And actually, yeah. kind of the same thing happened with this and with Drop Dead Gorgeous because both movies have really, really funny, really individual scripts, and like both of them are cult movies. Romeo and Michelle more so, and people especially love to quote Romeo and Michelle. It's kind of on the same level as Mean Girls almost. And the writer really didn't, I guess, take off after this. And the same thing happened with the writer of Drop Dead Gorgeous. And I just find it really sad that women writers don't <laughs> get the big break. Because <laughs> she's still around and, like, she's written for a few TV shows and stuff. But she's not as famous as I would imagine someone who's clearly incredibly talented and wrote this cult movie would be. Because this is, like, Bill and Ted or whatever. Yeah. Well, there is a sort of... There was this sort of moment in the late-ish 90s and then very early... 2000s where there were some it's hard to say movies like this because 
Like, <laughs> what what is like this exactly that were mostly directed by men, although not exclusively, but written or co-written by women that actually did get made and were quite idiosyncratic. And that does not seem to happen anymore. Of course, women still do write screenplays for some major films, not that many, but something like Legally Blonde, which was directed by a man and written by two women based on a novel by a woman, or Clueless, which was written and directed by a woman, Dick, this, uh, whatever the other movie you just mentioned was that yeah. I forgotten and it is this kind of interesting weird moment right at the end of the last iteration of the studio system right before the big tentpole movies became the thing that dictated how everything worked when they still did make these kind of weird mid-budget movies i mean this one can't possibly have cost very much but it obviously didn't cost you know a million bucks they had real actors in it she was phoebe at that time as you just said. So I find, I just think it's really interesting to look at what managed to slip in right under the, the deadline, if you will, these sort of weirdo female comedies. And it really, I think the fact that it lasted for so long, obviously that's, you know, films become cult movies because they have staying power, but also there's nothing else that's coming over to steal the crown. Yes. Because it's such a specific subgenre of being that Bill and Ted dumb comedy movie with loads of catchy one-liners, but there aren't really any like this. Because now you've got, like, Paul Feig is obviously making, like, hilariously funny female-led comedies, but it's not really the same thing because it's just, it's like a mainstream sort of broad comedy rather than having the sort of weirdness of this, I guess. Yes. And also this whole film is like just a celebration of being a slacker, which is a very kind of, <laughs> it's a very like late 90s kind yeah. of <laughs> kind of theme. <laughs> yes. Uh... Which I also, through the movie, I just kept thinking about comparing it to the equivalent now, because I, I've not seen any other films that have like this kind of basic premise. I do know a couple of years ago, there was a movie that came out called Young Adult that was about Charlize Theron coming yes. back to her hometown or something and she's like she's having some kind of like breakdown in her 30s I've or something that. it's yeah. excellent i heard it was really good but it was like the expectations of what like you're meant to have done in your late 20s and the 90s compared to now because now i'm like well obviously everyone who's in their late 20s the idea of having i mean obviously people from different backgrounds like if you come from like a rural background maybe you're like more likely to get married in your 20s but just the idea financially of having a steady job and owning a house is just hysterical because like nowadays if you roll up to your high school reunion and you're like i work as a cashier and i live with my friend it's like yeah me too everyone works as a cashier and lives with their friend (laughs) like good job excellent (laughs) although oh my god it was too funny like within the past couple of days someone some alum of my undergraduate alma mater started a facebook group for like basically like an alumni society Facebook group. I mean, there must be an official one. I don't know. And it's like, this has reached like a couple thousand people within the past, maybe 48 hours. Um, and a friend of mine invited me to it today and they had posted like posts for each decade, like who's here from, you know, the 2010s. 
And I was like, this movie is so real because everyone was just posting like, oh, yeah, I graduated in 2014 and now I own my own independent, sustainable coffee business. <laughs> made that up, but like, I'm not like that was the kind of thing or like I graduated two years ago and now I have a master's in public health and I'm starting a clinic in India to end sexual violence. Or like, I Well, what? if you had it two years ago, you could have been like, I'm rolling up with my publishing company. <laughs> But it was just, and of course, no one who's just like, yeah, I'm unemployed and living in my mom's basement is going to be like, hello, everyone. It's only people who are doing ridiculous things who are posting on here. And yeah. so you read it like, oh, God. But it's this re- completely artificial, just, you know, nonsense, which when they actually wind up getting to their reunion at the end of this movie no one is very impressive. Yeah, they're just like, like normal. Right. <laughs> so they've completely psyched themselves out into thinking like, oh my god, everyone's going to be doing all of this stuff. And I mean... You don't people, see like, what anyone's jobs are apart from one woman who's got like, a really successful career as a fashion journalist and all the bitchy mean girls who are all pregnant. Yeah. But everyone else is just like people in the background because they're just normal 28-year-olds. <laughs> And Janine Garofalo, Garofalo invented fast-burning cigarette paper. Yeah. Which has made her a wealthy woman. <laughs> There's a game where you kind of either create an army with or you fight with different versions of all of Keanu Reeves' characters, I think, to figure out which is the best Keanu Reeves character or which one you'd have as, like, your, your ideal champion. And I feel like with Janine Garofalo, you could have, like, a room full of Janine Garofalo characters and it would just work super well in the same way. Oh my god, that would be. I, you might just go nuts. Like you. It would look be a very neurotic room. Would just <laughs> collapse it on itself. Oh man, she's great in this movie, though. She's truly wonderful. I mean, as in everything, of course. But I mean, very- I wish I wish I would be her at my high school reunion, which is also this year because we're the same age. But um. I don't even know if we're having one. And sadly, I don't have that sort of devil-may-care rage. I just wear a lot of black and look messy. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it'll be next year, right, ours? Um, Not this year? No. Unless I'm mistaken? I finished high school in 2007. Oh. Then we must have been off a year. Even though we are the same age. Okay. I will not be attending mine because I don't care. And also no one see like no one will organize it. This is the problem with Facebook. I was thinking about this a lot actually. That like twenty years ago there was such a huge motivation to go to these things. Yeah, like, I mean I we don't parents. need to do it now. We have Facebook. Right. So everyone's just psyching each other out with their achievements all the time, or lack thereof, as opposed to showing up, you know. Yeah. Or- I mean weirdly, so my school has my school has a former pupil club with a bar, which I've never been to. Yes. But, I mean, obviously. <laughs> but I've heard that some of the people from my year actually go to that bar to, like, reminisce or whatever, oh, which was really it. alarming to me. I mean, obviously, I can't judge what I don't know about, but <laughs> I'm very nonplussed by that concept. I did not hate high school, but I'm not going to the former pupil club bar to reminisce in my 20s. <laughs> Right. I had an incredibly positive high school experience. I just emailed one of my former high school teachers, in fact. But you could not pay me. Oh, my word. Just 
No. Oh my god, we could do our own Romeo and Michelle where we each swap places and pretend to be the other at each other's (laughs) high school reunions. And everyone would be full immediately. I mean, I could straighten my hair. (laughs) We're both Caucasian women. I feel like a lot of people are just not going to care enough to know. (laughs) The accents just would be, we could, like, I've lived in America. <laughs> yeah, me long. too. I literally live round the corner from one of my high school best friends right now. So <laughs> it would be a great premise, though. Yeah. It's the parent trap for 20 right somethings. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> no, we've, we've escaped as a generation. Instead, we get to be neurotic all the time. It's a great trade off. <laughs> yeah, we get to feel concerned about our Instagram images. Right. Oh my god, what if they had Instagram? <laughs> That's a fan fiction. I was, I was super disappointed to find out that there was zero, zero Romeo and Michelle fanfiction on the internet. I assumed there would be some Yuletide fanfic, but there is none. There is no AO3 section for Romeo and Michelle. Wow, it's so gay. <laughs> it's quite gay. Yeah, I mean, thing. I was at least expecting some platonic friendship future fic some lesbian Romeo and Michelle or some threesome situation with Alan Cumming and I got zero on all counts. Shocking. Yuletide needs to shape up in 2017 in this year when hopefully many people will be rewatching this in its 20th anniversary. Yeah. You would you would think. Mm. It's because it's because it came out in nineteen ninety seven when the youths of today were yeah, but I mean, we were infants then. You know, everyone right. watches movies from before. The infants of today are still watching Mean Girls, which came out like when they were babies. So it's true, it's true. There were just, there were there are so many like small things about this that I laughed at, but it's hard to convey them. In... Yeah, that's the point because it's like the dialogue is so pitch perfect. It's like all the scenes where they're trying to achieve the goal of getting stuff that makes them look impressive, like when Mia Sorvino goes to her club to pick up men to be their boyfriends and one of them just turns out to be not impressive enough so she just tells him that her shoe's filling up with blood and leaves <laughs> which is like, like the best the comeback <laughs> well her performance is amazing because she does this weird very low voice almost monotone delivery i mean mira sorvino has a low voice but there's something about the way she pitches it that's not the way she normally speaks it's done for the character that when I first started watching, I actually was slightly put off by it. And also Lisa Kudrow has a kind of weird delivery too. the comedy in the movie is pretty slow. It's not particularly speedy or zingy. And I think it almost teaches you how to watch it a little bit. The film it's just on, it's doing its own weird thing. And then (laughs) once you figure out the, tone of it it's really really funny and Mira Sorvino in particular is just so idiosyncratic and bizarre just kind of a valley girl accent kind of but not really oh I don't think they're both meant to be from Tucson so it's like I don't even know what (laughs) they've been in LA a long time yeah yeah it's great I enjoyed it very much it was a nice break from working on graduate school (laughs) so yeah and again just as a member of that brief brief genre of idiosyncratic feminist movies i guess it's post-teen movie because they have the same they have like the same tone as a teen movie but they're about adults and they're not teeny right 
they're just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you compare them to, like, Cher, right? It's a very similar kind of situation. But she actually is a teenager. Cher from Clueless. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Um, We're just on first name terms with Cher from Clueless. <laughs> exactly. We hang out all the time. Yeah. Um, but it's this... And she's obviously, you know, very rich and entitled, and there's a slightly different different vibe, but it's the personality they are performing is very similar. Yeah, but also, like, the idea of celebrating just girls who are really frivolous and vain and really into fashion, which is, I mean, always the villain in, like, that kind of film, but also yes. especially now, most of the teen movies that are more recent are very clear about kind of glorifying the nerds, which is always really dumb because the people they have playing the unpopular nerds just are people who look like Lindsay Lohan or whatever. Because <laughs> when you look at a lot of the kind of teen movies in the 80s, like Fast Times at Regiment High or whatever, all the all the kind of like pretty and pink films, the teens are obviously a lot of the main characters are cute, but a lot of them also do look like normal teens. So it's a bit more plausible for them to be the dweebs that are getting picked on. And I mean, a couple of years ago, there was a teen movie that came out I don't recall what the title was, but it was an acronym that basically stood for like when you're the ugly member of the group. So there's, you know, there's a couple of hot girls who are friends with like an ugly girl, but the ugly girl is clearly played by like a really classically attractive teenage Hollywood actress. It's just like, stop doing this. If you're going to make movies about people who are clearly the popular girls in high school, make a movie about them and admit that they are also human beings with interesting stories to tell. Like, <laughs> Well, this is the, the genius of Freaks and Geeks, obviously. Is that, I mean, most of the freaks, or no, I guess the geeks, um, are, they're boys. So yeah, they are, they are thing. actually just little nerdy children. But, oh my god, they are like tiny weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> just... And they do actually look like 13 year old boys, so, because they are. Yeah. I mean, I've not watched very much, but yeah. The one guy whose name I'm forgetting, but who now is like a writer and director of terrible. Oh, yeah. The film. little child one. He was. He so, plays sweets in Bones. Yeah, he was actually like 14, and you can tell he is an infant. And it's that's what, you know, that's what teenagers actually look like. As opposed I think to he co-wrote the new Spider-Man movie, because every person who works on the Spider-Man movie is a 35-year-old man with the same name. I think they're all called Dave. Yes. Or they're all called Pete. They all have the same generic man name. And he also, I believe, worked on that movie that Ed Helms did called Vacation. I don't know if you were subjected to 85 trailers for that last summer, but I was. I recall being offended, but I don't remember the specifics of why. <laughs> there was a scene in the trailer where they wind up bathing in a uh, sort of like natural pool in the forest, and it turns out it's full of shit. And that sort of conveys the tone, I think. I believe its Metacritic score was low. But he was so great on Freaks and Geeks. Such a cute child. His adulthood has not progressed. His adulthood has been very successful for him, yeah. if not for us. Exactly. That is a great way. I have no judgments on his character. His artistic <laughs> output, less so. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very diplomatic. Very diplomatic way of putting it. Uh, anyway, that's not related to anything except that uh, I love Freaks and Geeks. We'll talk about it whenever possible. Do so we have anything else to add about this film? Justin um, Theroux is in it. 
Justin Thoreau is in Briefly. it. I have been informed. Morgan was trying to explain to me before the podcast started that Justin Thoreau is hot. <laughs> it's true. It's it's objectively true. You were very confused. And then you did some Googling. I did. I Googled to see what Justin Thoreau looks like. And I agree that he does look like an attractive man now. <laughs> Having not witnessed much of his material. Yeah. I observed that in this, he's basically playing Jeff Goldblum in Nashville. Which regular listeners will recall we discussed last fall. He doesn't say very much. He just looks brooding and attractive under a hat. (laughs) Also currently starring in The Leftovers, which I need to catch up on. I don't know that I have anything else to add. I enjoyed this very much. I think my mother loves this movie, which is very funny to me because she's not... She's not someone I would imagine would find this film relatable, but I'm glad that she has good taste. Yes, yes. I feel like I remember seeing it around the house. Um, So now I feel culturally educated, connected to the old generation. Yes. (laughs) Uh, We would both recommend this very highly. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will be discussing a very, very different movie. A tiny little indie that came out last year called The Fits, which I loved it was one of my favorite films from last year i saw it at a film festival and totally fell in love with it it's directed by a woman named anna rose holmer it's about uh a group of girls in a sort of dancing club organization and there start to be some kind of weird sort of salem witch type fits going around the group but it's really difficult to summarize this movie with plot. It's really atmospheric. Um, I can't do it justice. It is so incredible. Um, it's available on iTunes, Amazon, etc. Please watch it and come back and listen to us next week. Talk about it. I'm very excited. Yeah, Morgan has been hyping this movie for about a year, possibly more than a year. It's been longer um, than a year now. I saw it yeah. last March. Yeah, I, movies keep coming out, and you're just like, "Well, it's not as good as the fits." So yeah. I'm gonna watch the fits, and you should also watch the fits, and we can all throw whatever it is like two ninety nine or however much it is to buy it online at this director or probably the studio that funded her. Yeah, I mean, it was this movie was made for like five dollars, and it made around ten dollars, so it's a good place to invest your money. I believe her next film is a bull riding movie with Natalie Portman. Oh my god, so, that is that is a combination that I did not ready. know I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> but in the meantime, <laughs> we can all still watch the bits. So, thank you for listening. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a rating or review on iTunes. That is how we find new listeners. Otherwise, you can find us on overinvestedpodcast.com, on Twitter at overinvestedpod, or on Tumblr at overinvestedpodcast.com. Thanks. Bye.